Be Coastal at the Boatyard Restaurant, located at 1515 Southeast 17th Street Causeway in Fort Lauderdale. Here, you'll feel part of the yachting tradition of South Florida as you experience the Boatyard's hooked-table, seafood-eccentric menu with fresh catches listed by name of the fisherman who caught them. The Boatyard's open kitchen is also known for premium grilled cuts of meat and a menu that's sourced from local ingredients. Sit inside in modern nautical-themed rooms or dockside and watch the boats cruise by as you enjoy lunch, dinner, and Sunday brunch. Monday through Friday, the locals know that the Boatyard's happy hour is the best place to gather for bar bites and handcrafted cocktails at great prices. And don't miss out on Ladies' Night every Thursday. Call ahead to book your reservation today at 954-525-7400. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Captain Jeff. Welcome to the Real Guy Podcast. Um, Stephen Busaka, the Shepherd, is in the house tonight. And um, Steve, what's going on, pal? How you been? I'm doing all right, man. We're halfway through the week. We're going to have a nice dinner here in a few minutes. So I'm saying I'm doing pretty damn good. Yeah. What, what do you got for fishing trips coming up? Dude, I'm actually going out. I'm super stoked. I'm going down uh, to the Keys, Isla Marada, next Tuesday uh, with uh, Cat Mike Alfano from Chasing Silver Charters. So I'm super stoked about that. And I'm also super stoked because freaking Drew Vason, Chicago Drew, is in the house tonight, too. Yeah, Drew. My dog. Drew, so. Yep, Drew Vason just walked in the Lunker Dog Studios. So um, good to have him here tonight. I don't know um, what the heck he's been doing, but. Um, Anyway, but no, man, I'm super stoked about that. Mike is, you know, he's a, he's the real deal. You know, he's, he, he's, he's classy guide. You know what I mean? And that's a real important thing for me is I like fishing with the best, yeah. you know? And, you know, speaking of guides, I wanted to ask you, you know, you're a fishing guide yourself, but like, have you ever actually hired a guide? Yeah. Multiple times. Like in my opinion, that's the way to do it. Like you want to like get good at fishing or learn a lot learn a lot about fishing or if, even if you're just a fishing enthusiast sometimes there's time to hire a guide now out of all, so you say you've done it many times are there any guides in particular experiences that you had that really kind of stuck that stick out to you every time i've been with a guide um i can remember it crystal clear i mean like it was yesterday and um i was i've always been intrigued by guides and um i never really thought i'd actually be able to be one i just uh Figured I'd get as good as I could at fishing and never really thought that, uh, well, I never thought it would get like it is today. But I'll tell you a funny story. I'll tell you a good goddamn story about the first guide that I ever hired. And um, pretty weird because I was probably about 14 years old. And um, I've mentioned before, and some people in the audience have heard some of the previous podcasts, but we had a house in Treasure Key. And in Treasure Key... Um, you know, out there in the Bahamas, just the, the bone fishing's phenomenal, but I had never went. But the dude that introduced us to Treasure Key, this, this gentleman named Rudy Wood, who is uh, my old man's best friend, would constantly tell me stories about fishing with this guy, Othnell, and how Othnell was the dude to take you out in the marls, in the back of the Abacos, in order to, um, you know, to, to go bone fishing. And um, I would listen to the stories, and he'd tell me about how cool it was to bonefish and how cool Othnell was, and um, tell me that um, 
you know, when you go with this guy that he shows you stuff you'd never seen before. And I would just listen to the stories about Othnell. And um, it was, a you know, kind of a summertime thing. So I saved up my money for uh, the next time we were over there. And um, I wanted to hire this guy that Rudy went with, Othnell. And um, I'm not sure how much Othnell actually charged at the time, but I was able to save up 150 bucks. So when I got to the Bahamas, I asked Rudy, I said, Rudy, dude, I said, um, you know, I've been saving up my money. I really want to go fishing with Othnell. He says, well, you know, how much do you got? I said, I got 150 bucks. I go, how much does Othnell cost? He goes, well, why don't you ask Othnell if he'll take you for 150 now, I'm old and everything, and I'm kind of looking back at it. I got a feeling that Rudy gave him the difference <laughs> so I could go fishing with the dude. There's real guys helping real guys out. Dude, <laughs> it never ends. It's, that's, dude, the it's real the guy, cycle. Right. Real guys helping real guys has been going on long before the Real Guy Network, long before all of us were even around. And um, we just happened to put a label on it and let you know talk about it all the time. But, yeah, that's the real guy helping real guy thing. So... Um, Rudy and I walked down to what you would call downtown Treasure Key, which was a strip mall, about, I don't know, maybe eight stores in the whole strip mall. Of course, one of them was a liquor store. Didn't even have a grocery store at the time. One of the, one of the little buildings was for making phone calls because you, there was no phones on the island. The only way you could make a phone call, if you walked in this little, this little storefront and the operator would ask you who you want to call and they'd connect you. But that was the only way you could make a phone call. So anyway, we roll down there and um, Rudy's like, this is where Othnell, you know, will be. So we went down there and we found Othnell and Rudy says, go ask him. So I went up to Othnell and I said, hey, Mr. Othnell, I says, you know, do, do you think you could take me bone fishing this week? I got 150 bucks, you know, and I'd love to go bone fishing. And Othnell was this big dude, man. He's maybe 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, his arms were like down to his knees. Just big-ass smile. Teeth come out of, his, out of his face like, you know. And he smiled at me and he told me, he says, yes, I'm going to go this week. And then he kind of walked away. <laughs> and I looked at Rudy and I'm like, okay, so what's the deal? He says, uh, he says you meet Othnell right here tomorrow morning at about 6 before the sun comes up. So uh, I get up early in the morning, and I walk down to the little downtown area of Treasure Key, and Othnell's sitting in his station wagon waiting for me. Didn't say two words. Gave me a smile when I showed up, and we, he gets out of his car, and we start walking a couple blocks over to the beach. And we start getting down to the beach, and Othnell say nothing. And he takes off in full sprint. And he runs over to this crab hole and fills it up with sand. And then the crab comes running looking for the hole. And then Othnell would grab the little snow crab, crush it, and put it in his pocket. And I didn't even know what the guy was doing yet. But Homeboy was out there catching bait for today's trip. So I know, he does it again and then again. And then I kind of get the hang of it. And I'm running around the beach. And I'm running around with this grown man on this beach before the sun can even come up. And we got pockets full of little tiny white snow crabs. <laughs> so I don't know, once we both got about a half a dozen in each pocket, we went back to the station wagon, and Othnell takes me out of Treasure Keep to the back side of the island, what they call the Marls now. I guess they always call the Marls, but people know it as the Marls. But back then, the roads weren't paved. 
So every time you left Treasure Key, you're on this white coral rock road. And you could only travel like maybe 15 or 20 miles an hour, the car would shake up. So we roll down the road, we're somewhere between Treasure Key and Marsh Harbor. And then he goes back road with the station wagon. And we wiggle through the woods and we're going over bumps and there's rocks flying all over the place. And I'm kind of giggling, I think it's cool. And then we stop and we get out of the freaking station wagon. Othnell opens up the back of the station wagon. He had a 25 horsepower tiller in there. Homeboy reaches in there and grabs the tiller with one hand, pulls it out of the back of the station wagon and starts walking down this path with it and I'm following him we got no fishing rods we got an outboard motor and I'm, a pocket full of crabs and, and <laughs> pockets full of crabs and I got a I got a three and a half gallon little metal tank gas tank for the outboard motor and we're walking through the walking through this little path and the sun's coming up and I'm looking for the guy's boat and I'm looking for the guy's equipment, and I'm like, what the hell are we doing? So the guy wades in this little creek, and he reaches down, and he's friggin' heaving, and he's hoeing, and he pulls his boat up that's sunk, and he flips it over. And then he flips it back over so it'll float. I didn't know it at the time, but he would sink his boat so nobody would take it. <laughs> yeah. So he takes his outboard motor, he flips it on the back of the boat, then he runs into the bushes. He comes out with two fishing rods. The fishing rods already had leaders and hooks on them. No other tackle on the boat. He had one or two hooks like in the bottom of uh, the boat or in his pocket or whatever, but no real tackle, no real nothing. And I'm watching him. He's swinging that 25 horsepower tiller around like it's a five-gallon bucket. He swings that thing over his left shoulder right on the boat in one shot. Boom. So he looks at me and he says, come on. So I get in the boat and we wiggle through this little creek and it's nothing but mangroves and uh, back canals and I'm just in complete awe. I'd never seen anything like it. Water was crystal clear. And you could actually see the snappers and the bonefish run from the front of the boat as we went through this creek. So we get through this creek and it wiggles and it turns and then it opens up and it's just flats for as far as you can see. Othnell never said hardly anything to me so far this morning. Help him when I could. And he's hauling ass across these little flats. And I mean, I'm literally, dude, just, you know, 10 inches of water. And he's just rolling right through this. And then off in the distance, we see something running across the flats. And I'm thinking, I'm looking, I said, is that a dog? Uh, maybe one is like a key deer or something, and I'm trying to make sense out of it. And Othnell never says nothing, and the thing's flying through the friggin' water, and he's kind of getting closer and getting closer. And the thing takes a hard left, and it's running across the water, and I realize it's a hog. So Othnell keeps the boat going as fast as he can make it go, and he takes a hard left, and bam, runs right into the friggin' hog. He jumps out of the boat, he grabs the hog by the back legs. Lifts it up by the two back legs and drowns the son of a bitch right next to us in the water. Then he picks the hog up by the two back legs and slings it in the boat. And he's still not saying one word to you. Hasn't said a whole hell of a lot. He's grunting and groaning. It wasn't easy for him, but he did it. And uh, he throws that dead hog in the boat. 
And he looks over at me. He says, we're going to fish right here. And then we pull the rest of the day with the hog in the boat. <laughs> Dude, it was the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life. There's flies and these fucking horse flies that are out there will carry you off. You think the horse flies are hard to keep off you regularly. When you got a hog in the boat, you're like calling them in. It's like ringing the dinner bell. Right. <laughs> Dude, it was like... Nothing for this dude. He never said two words to me about killing the hog or if I would mind the hog in the boat or anything like that. He just started pulling around. And then, I mean, literally within 10 minutes of starting to pull, we started to see bonefish. Did and he I, speak to you then? Yeah. That's when Othnell started talking. What did he say? He says, can you see that, man? He says, can you see that? And I'm like, yeah, I can see it. He says, cast in front of him, and I cast in front of him, and I hook a bonefish. And I catch my first bonefish without now. And I'm pretty freaking happy about it, you know? I'm, I'm, and it's weird because I'm out there with this dude that I don't really know. It's like one of the happiest things that ever happened to me as a kid. And then I look over at uh, Othnell, and he's smiling as big as I am. He looks at me, and he says, that was a great job. He says, you and I are going to be friends. And then we cut pulling. By the end of the day, we got seven bonefish. We went like really? seven for nine. That's awesome. And we were home by one o'clock in the afternoon. Seven for nine. Yeah. That's pretty damn good. And then, and this, I, mean, I got a lot more stories about that now, but that's the first time I ever hired a guide. And that was my first experience of hiring a guide. So and, you to, were, and to this day, I've never had another experience like it. So you went out with him multiple times then? From that point on. I, would, I went out with Othnell for probably eight or nine years. Really? Until I was in um, my mid-20s. And every time I went to uh, Treasure Key, if I wanted to go bone fishing, you'd go with, you'd go with Othnell. And you got to realize something about Treasure Key back in the 80s. It wasn't like, you know, there were skiffs, like, readily available. You know, you couldn't go, like, buy You couldn't go, like, rent a skiff. And you couldn't really bring your own skiff with you. And then the places that you went in the back of the island where Othnell took you and where the Bahamians would take you, it wasn't for tourists. It was for guys like Othnell. Because I tell you right now, back in those days, we didn't have GPS and we didn't have cell phone. And if we did have a flare on the boat and you shot it up there in the back of the Marls, ain't nobody going to see it, at least not back then. I mean, literally, there was nobody in the Abacos in the 80s at least not many you know what i mean i mean literally a couple hundred people as a matter of fact when you would go fishing in the abacos back then and you saw another person fishing you would actually go over next to him to see who he was and what island he was coming from and you'd ask him you know what are you guys doing oh yeah we're gonna be snapper fishing we're gonna come in you know around five or so and then you want to know the information because if the dude didn't come in at five or so, you could say, oh, yeah, I met Jim and the Grady White. They were out there snapper fishing. So if they weren't in by five or so, you'd have to go get them. But that's how the network worked back then. It wasn't cell phones. It wasn't texting. It wasn't radar. It wasn't GPS. There wasn't anything like that. It was word of mouth, literally. Well, yeah. It was, and that's just the way it was in the old days. What was the biggest bonefish you ever caught with Othnell? Eh, probably about nine pounds. It's a big bone. Did, I've heard the Abacos had some pretty good-sized bonefish. They have good-sized bonefish. And the um, a couple of the cool things about the Abacos is they have some big bonefish. And usually those big bonefish are running around solo or in pairs. Yeah. 
you know and when you see a pair of you know eight or nine pound fish i mean they stick out they almost look like sharks oh, yeah i was about to say more so than bonefish and it's totally different than seeing those two and three pound fish in schools of say 30 or 40 or 100 or whatever but for guys that have never bonefished before that's the place to do it you know what i mean i mean there was times where you, you I mean you could totally screw up everything but as long as you got your bait in front of the boat by, say, 50 feet or so, the bonefish would smell that freaking crab and come running over. It's not like Biscayne Bay. <laughs> no, it's definitely not like Biscayne Bay. It's the opposite of Biscayne Bay. And it's funny because, you know, Othnell was the only dude that I ever met that used those white snow crabs for bonefish bait. What was everybody else usually using, like a shrimp? There was nobody else. Well... <laughs> Exactly. At least in the Abacos, there was nobody else. And the guys in the Keys were using shrimp. Yeah. Or little tiny crabs, and they had their methods and so on and so forth. And I'd see it on, on you know, Sosin Show every week, and, you know, and that's kind of how I knew what they were using. But I've never to this day seen another guide use those snow crabs. How big? They're little, right, the snow crabs? Yeah. I mean, they're not big, but they're not, you know, they're not tiny. They're not like a little fiddler. But um, when Maybe. I go to the Abacos now, that's what I use for bait. Yeah, it's not like uh, even today you can't go into some marina and get live shrimp in the abacos. You can't even get frozen shrimp. You know what I mean, a lot of people use like conch scraps, you know, for bonefish bait. They'll eat that. Yeah, they'll eat that. Well, over there, you know, like I said, the bonefish are a little bit more aggressive and um, a little bit more feisty most of the time. I have been out there in the abacos, especially on the ocean side, when the fish are more like in a spawning type situation. Where you could throw shit in front of them for hours. And I they mean hundreds eat. of fish. And they won't eat. And it looks like they're eating because there's mud and shit all over the place. So you think they're eating, but they're not. And if they are eating, the damn sure not eating anything that you throw in there. Yeah. But that's kind of the rarity. Where the, where the guides take you and when you go back in the marls, the fish are aggressive. We should do that one day. We're going to do that. We're going to have to do that one day. We're going to do that. We're actually going to put this ep episode along in the series of the Hurricane Dorian episodes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I was going to say, this is all this is all Bahamian related. Exactly. That's what this series is about. Exactly. So that's a pretty damn cool story, man. Yeah. Is Athnel still alive? No, Athnel passed away about 10 years ago. Okay. Maybe, maybe even a little longer, maybe 15 years ago. I'm getting so old now. Well, how old was he at the time when he took you out? When he first took me, he was probably about 60 years old. When he first took when you out? When he first took me. Yeah. So he, so he lived a pretty long life then, because he was probably in his 90s then when he passed. Eh, no, but he was in his 70s. And, um, well, Othnell, you know, he did pretty good for a fishing guide. Yeah. yeah he's like, he's like, that's like the, he sounded like the original real guy, you know? Well, I think when you're in a, when, when you're in a, when you're in an Abaconian's position like Othnell, You really don't have a choice but to be a real guy. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't be a guide over there. You can't take people fishing. You can't be a commercial fisherman over there or a lobsterman or a, or a grouper fisherman or anything without being a real guy. It's not like here, man, where you go out in a, in a boat that has a, a freezer that's refrigerated. I get it cooler. Right. And you have all <laughs> this, you know, all this, you know, hydraulic equipment and everything. These guys go out in a skiff. Even today, most of the fishermen go out in a skiff and they use hand lines and they use mass snorkels and Hawaiian slings to get shit. And then they pile it up 
and they try to get enough ice and everything to, in a cooler, which they're lugging around manually. And I bet you that Athnel didn't have no uh, polling platform on his skiff either. No, Athnel pulled right from the seat. His little fiberglass skiff was like one of those old, um, like, fiberglass chopped game fisher that you'd buy in, like, Sears or something. And then it'd have two seats going across that were fiberglass in the mold. And he put an igloo cooler between the seat and the back of the boat. So he had two steps, the step for the seat and the, and the cooler. And he could pull from them. But like I said, Athnel's arms were so long. And his muscles were so friggin' not massive like you know, the rock or something where he looks like a wrestler. But when the dude's walking around with a 25 horsepower engine in his hand. And you're looking at him. And you're like, yeah, I never seen my dad do that. <laughs> you know, I mean, everything about the dude was impressive. And then his eyes. Oh, my God, his eyes. His eyes were dirt red. Homeboy didn't even wear polarized glasses out there. What was he wearing? No glasses. Did he at least have a hat? He had a hat. Was it like a, like a trucker cap or was it like one of those sun hats? No, it was more like a baseball cap. It's funny. He had, he had no shame. He had a he had a baseball cap with a with a lobster. You ever see the lobster claws come out of the front of the hat and the people wear them? <laughs> I don't. Have you seen that, Drew? Yeah, <laughs> it's like something you'd buy, you know, like up in Maine or something. And he had one of those hats, and he wore that thing till it damn near fell off. <laughs> yeah, but 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 his eyes were like beet red. And he and could o- still see and almost bleached, and he could see better than anybody. And I took multiple guests out with Athnel, guys who really thought they knew something about bone fishing in the flats. You know, I took this guy, Walt Jennings, out with him, who's some famous fly fisherman, blah, blah, blah. Hands down, Athnel could see the fish better than all of us. And Athnel, not only could he see the fish, he knew the guys on the boat, how well they could see the fish. And if he knew that you could see the fish well, the less he would say. And if he knew that you couldn't see the fish, the more that he would say. And I think that was probably one of the most gratifying things about fishing with Athnel is that when you actually caught your bonefish and you were able to see it and you were able to lead the fish and make the cast, homeboy said nothing, which made you feel like a million bucks. He just smiled. Right. And then the next dude that couldn't see, and you were like, man, it's way better when Athnel don't say shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because when he did say something, what did he have to say? Well, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, he wasn't one of these rah-rah guys. Like, yeah, man, good job. Way to see the fish. Now, you didn't get anything that from off. Now, you either got a smile or you got instructions on what to do. And if you didn't do it, he would never scold you or nothing. He'd just look off in the distance for the next fish and pay you no mind. I thought it was great. You know? I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's people that didn't get Athnel and how he acted and the way he would talk and how he would communicate. That was his original style. It was his original style. And like they say, there's a guide for everybody. Yeah. But the funny thing is back then, if you were in Treasure Keyed, there was only one guide. <laughs> that was Athnel. <laughs> that sure was. That's awesome. Man. So yeah, that's my, that's my guide story, dog. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to do after that uh, after that trip next week. We're gonna have to do a uh, we're gonna have to do a podcast on that trip and talk about Mike. 
yeah, let me know how the trip goes with Mike. For sure, man. And uh, we'll pick this thing up next week. Thanks for coming in tonight. Thanks, um, man. Wasn't thinking about off now, but uh, I'm glad you brought him up. Nice little trip down memory lane. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in to the Real Guy Podcast this week. This is Captain Jeff, the Lunker Dog, along with the Shepherd, Stephen Busaka. And a special guest tonight who's in the background just kind of listening. That's right, Chicago Drew. The original Chicago Drew from the Boat Ramp Boys. The old videos way back when. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening, and run that dog. Run that dog.